Hello, and welcome to Tabs Not Spaces. It's Saturday, October 24th, and this is what you need to know today. Canonical has released version 2010 of Ubuntu. As an interim release, the update will only be supported through July next year, and is really aimed at enthusiasts, and at anybody interested to see what direction the project is taking. The release ships with version 5.8 of the Linux kernel, and brings GNOME 3.38 to its desktop users. While all of Ubuntu's various flavors have also pushed out updates of their own, perhaps the most eye-catching change this release cycle is the addition of official desktop support for Ubuntu proper on the Raspberry Pi platform. And while this support only extends as far as the 4GB or better version of the latest Pi and its companion compute module, the distribution remains certified and available on previous Pi models as well, although they don't really have the horsepower to run a full GNOME desktop, and are more suited to server-based tasks. And that's the use case that Canonical has again looked to draw attention to, by blogging about how tools such as MicroKates can be installed on the latest Pi platform, enabling users to easily create and deploy micro-clouds of compute infrastructure at the edge, and among IoT devices. Version 15 of Node.js has been released. And like Ubuntu, this is an interim release, with a much shorter support lifetime than the project's LTS versions. While the update includes experimental support for the Quick Network Protocol and brings a handful of other changes, it's likely that the biggest improvement that users will notice is the introduction of version 7 of the Node Package Manager, which can now automate the installation process for peer dependencies, and offers support for managing multiple packages within a single top-level root package. iShell, which had been available in test flight beta for almost two years, has now gained a listing in the full Apple Store. The application provides a shell environment for users of iOS devices, and is based on the minimal Alpine Linux distribution, which is frequently used for container applications, due to its small size and fast boot time. While the developer had to remove the Alpine package manager in order to be granted access to the full Apple Store, it appears to be trivially easy to reinstall it, by following the instructions linked in today's show notes. A major vulnerability in a popular WordPress plugin has raised some eyebrows, not just due to its severity, but also because of how WordPress helped deal with the problem. Recent research found that the Loginizer plugin, which helps protect over a million WordPress sites from brute force attacks, was failing to properly sanitize its input, and allowing arbitrary SQL command injection into vulnerable sites. And while the plugin was rapidly patched to fix the issue, not everybody keeps their sites completely up to date, so WordPress decided to force install the update to anyone using the plugin. This caused some confusion and surprise for WordPress users who hadn't been aware that the platform allows for arbitrary software installation, and has prompted some to question how many times WordPress has taken similar steps in the past, without any local administrator oversight. While the actions of WordPress caused some limited concern in the community, yesterday saw a furor erupt when the news broke that GitHub had responded to a takedown notice from the Recording Industry Association of America, and disabled the YouTube DL repository and several forks of the same code. The notice alleges that the popular command line downloader was designed and marketed as a tool to circumvent the technical protections of streaming services such as YouTube, and that it facilitates the reproduction of copyrighted works. Although GitHub had little option but to promptly comply with the notice in order to protect itself from potential liability, that didn't stop many on social media from immediately denouncing the company's response. And to confuse the picture further, while takedown notices normally apply to directly infringing content, in this case the RIAA is arguing that YouTube DL is an enabling technology for piracy, rather than being an infringement of copyright in and of itself. This distinction has further muddied the waters, and right now there doesn't appear to be a consensus among legal experts online as to the validity of the takedown notice. Either way, 
The developers of YouTube DL have a right of counterclaim, which if successful would see their repo restored, and I'll be watching events unfold, and report back as they do. 1Password has launched a beta version of its client for Linux. While not open source, the password manager is still very popular in the community, and the Linux version is likely to receive a warm welcome from those already using it on other desktop or mobile operating systems. Built using React against a Rust backend, the new client attempts to integrate well with the Linux desktop, and will even automatically blend in with the user's choice of dark or light mode GTK theme. 1Password has set up signed package repositories for downloading the software, and is also making it available through the Snap Store and as an app image. And in a final piece of outreach that is likely to win it even more adopters, the company is offering its normally paid-for service completely free of charge to open-source project teams that request it. But if you'd rather keep all of your passwords offline and totally under your own control, then an application like KeePassXC might be a better choice. And this app received a maintenance update earlier in the week, which, along with a number of bug fixes and UI improvements, added an always-on-top mode, and better import and export functionality. On the last show I mentioned that the latest release of Firefox had just landed. While it didn't seem a particularly noteworthy update at the time, the release has apparently been causing a variety of print, unwanted website logout, and other issues for some users. Mozilla has now throttled the rollout of Firefox 82, so that it can attempt to address the bugs that have been reported. The Debian project has donated 10,000 euros, or roughly $12,000, to help the French nonprofit from a soft fund further development of its federated PeerTube video platform. PeerTube has been slowly catching up with the functionality offered by competitors such as YouTube in recent years, and back in May unveiled a roadmap for its future development that it hoped to follow, if finances allowed. The donation from Debian has helped carry PeerTube's fundraiser over the finish line, and will allow the project to work on bringing near real-time peer-to-peer streaming to its open-source video platform. And that wraps things up for now. There's more about today's stories in the show notes, and you can visit our website at tabsnotspaces.com to read a full transcript of the podcast, or to contact the show. And if you want to support what we do, help out by telling friends about the show, so they can enjoy it too. We'll be back on Wednesday.